Episode 296, Bonus Edition, Interview with Jana Lee. Hey y'all, welcome to the Empowering Educators Podcast. I am Gretchen, your host and expert lesson learner. I'm a national board certified elementary teacher turned teacher, trainer, and coach. All the lessons I've learned and am learning on my edgy journey, I share with you right here. From every silly mistake to the most glorious successes, you're going to hear stories and strategies that will inspire you to become your best. I have to warn you, as an educator, I can't help but hold you accountable for doing the work. So every episode, I leave you with practical, tangible next steps so you can implement your learning and maximize your impact. Whether you're teaching a lesson or learning one yourself, there's always a lesson if you're willing to pay close attention. Elite educators, that's the secret to staying empowered. Bring on today's lesson. Welcome to the Always a Lesson Summer Interview Series. I've asked some very special guests to bring their wisdom to you all throughout May, June, July, and August. Connecting you with other elite educators is one of my favorite parts of this job as a teacher leader and podcaster. The insight that you are going to gain from these conversations is going to prepare you to hit the ground running during the back-to-school season, but more importantly, it is going to reignite your passion and your potential as an educator. Are you ready to level up what you bring to the table and how you serve those you lead? Then buckle up and let's go. Hey y'all, Gretchen here from Always a Lesson, here to empower you to reach your potential. I love that I call you elite. I think it perfectly describes the type of person who spends their extra time pouring back into their gifts, their talents, so they can continue to be the best that they can be. And today is no different. We're just going to sprinkle in some extra eliteness as we have a guest appearance. And I'm so excited for you to meet her and hear her story and take all her strategies she provides you and put them into action. So let me tell you a little bit more about Jana. She is the proud founder of New Jersey's first all-girls district public school. She spent the last 15 years surrounding herself with forward thinkers in the educational space. And as an educator, a leader, an adjunct instructor, a literacy specialist, and executive director of Jana Lee Consulting, she's gained valuable insight into the significance of collaboration, strategic teacher leadership, and data-driven approaches for affecting transformative change within classrooms, schools, and districts. Jana, who's going to complete her Doctor of Philosophy in Reading, Language, and Literacy in winter 2023, woo, congratulations, continues to be most impressed by the people who work in and support our schools, the ultimate champions of student learning. She's pretty amazing. I'm so excited to add her to my PLN and learn and grow along with her, and now she is your friend too. So let's jump into the episode. Hey, Jana, thanks so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you and with all of your listeners. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I have been looking forward to this since I reached out to you and I just can't wait to hear about your journey and all your tips and strategies that you're going to share. So I'm going to dive right in if you're okay with that. That sounds great. Let's get started. Okay. So I kind of alluded to how we met, but just give us a quick rundown. How do we know each other? And the reason I ask that is I want people to realize how you can become strangers 
and then totally become super fans and connectors and part of a PLN and become friends. And that's what education is all about. So share a little bit about how we know each other. Sure. So we met on social media. (laughs) Um, I had posted something on Instagram about my sort of journey to getting where I am today. And you reached out and we connected over the various roles I've had in education, Mm -hmm. Um, special education classroom teacher, special education department chair, instructional coach, um, founder of an all girls school, and now an education consultant. Woo woo. Yeah. Yeah, I really found it intriguing because some folks stay in one role their entire career and there's nothing wrong with that. But what I stress is even if you know you found your love, try something else. One, to confirm that you are in fact in love with the first thing, but two, to round you out, you get so much perspective, knowledge, skills, insight, friendships, uh, collaborations. When you change roles, when you change schools, when you change districts, it can only better you by taking a risk and trying something new. So even if someone's listening, like, well, forget that I'm not going to do all that. I'm not interested in all that. That's okay. But, but force yourself to learn something new, try a new technique, you know, think outside the box, push yourself every year to become better. Cause it's really only going to benefit the kids in the end. Absolutely. I had no idea when I entered teaching that I would end on this, you know, be in this path, but I found that things sort of organically spiraled into the next role in a way that continuously sparked my passion and joy for education or the education space. And I think that, you know, sometimes we forget that there's so much out there in terms of the impact that we can have as educators. And that's why even when I am in schools and districts meeting with their their teachers and their leaders and their administrators, I tend to refer to everybody as educators, not just teacher, because I feel that educators sort of encompasses all of the roles that we play when we are impacting students and their lives. I think you make a good point about we are all learners. We're all similar in terms of, like you said, an educator. And just because you wear one hat one year or one season of life, that doesn't define like who you are and how you're going to contribute. Um, I've had great conversations with brand new teachers and seasoned veterans and superintendents. Everyone brings something to the table. Everyone is able to um, learn and grow from each other. So I love that you kind of normalize that we're all here together as one. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm brought back to, uh, so I was in the classroom for just about 10 years. And before I figured out that maybe I needed to move beyond the classroom to continue my impact, uh, I asked my principal to switch my grade, switch my subject. Mm -hmm. And it was because it was almost like I wanted to just make sure that it wasn't the the classroom or the, the, the grade that was perhaps, you know, Uh, the reason why I wanted to leave. And after two years of, you know, switching around was when I said, okay, I feel really good about leaving teaching and I'm not leaving because I feel bad about it. I'm leaving because I want to take what I've learned and move it into a different space within education. Yeah. Smart. You did your due diligence. And that's what I'm saying. I want you all to make sure, you know, like, you know, like, you know, 
before you make a big change. And now you could always go back into the classroom. That's fine. Or go back into the grade you love. But I love that you took a beat and were like, let me just double check. And then you got the confirmation. And then you yourself never wonder like, what if, because that can eat you alive. I don't, but you know, what's so beautiful about it is even if we do have that, what if we can go back, right? We can cross our T's and dot our I's teaching. If, if we are wondering, Hey, am I really done here? I like that. And in terms of when you decided to make the next step, how did you know what it was going to be? And then each step after, was it a prompting? Was it just an opportunity came up? What were you specifically searching? Like walk us through every change you had and how you knew this is the next right thing for me. Sure. So I started in the classroom and started realizing that there were going to be many hats that I had to wear. Mm-hmm. And that as much as I wanted to voice my concerns about those hats or, uh, you know, voice how challenging it was to keep all of the balls in the air, I needed to sort of figure it out. I needed to figure out the strategies and processes that would work for me and still allow me to balance that professional and personal life. So I took the initiatives that were coming down the pike and I, took risks in my classroom. I played around with different ways that I could um, employ these strategies. I, you know, took the time to figure figure out the systems that worked best for me. And I sort of became empowered in my own classroom function because I feel like I was tapping into my own creativity to leverage these systems and initiatives that would work best for my students and I. Mm. And once I found my niche and I, and I do feel that all teachers have a niche that they are, there's a, there is at least one strategy that teachers are really good at and that they deserve to share. And once I found my niche, which happened to be data collection and assessment, I approached my administrators about sharing that. And before I knew it, I was asked to run some professional development to my teachers, asked to deliver some lunch and learns and workshops around assessment, especially as it's used to meet the needs of all of our students. And I, you know, was felt confident and empowered to be able to do that for my school community. Um, And it gave my administrators a chance to see that there was leadership potential here and that there was an opportunity to build capacity. And so I moved into instructional coaching and special education department chair and continued my journey of, you know, teacher leadership. I was still teaching, but meeting with teachers, opening up my classroom as sort of a a demonstration lab room where I was inviting teachers in to see my assessment practices and my framework that I felt was powerful. And then moved into, once I realized that I wanted to take this beyond the classroom and wanted to create my own space where I could make decisions that I felt would benefit teachers and students all together. That's when I started looking into building a school. And I, you know, created this, had this grassroots initiative going where I rallied community members in a, a city in New Jersey 
And together, we were able to build a vision and mission for a school that was reflective of what I felt were best instructional practices for students uh, and for teachers and for our school community alike. And so for two years, I really grounded myself in developing this proposal and bringing it to the Board of Education. It was passed last June. Um, 2020, yeah, 2022, last June it passed. And while I'm doing that, I'm slowly realizing that I want to continue my impact beyond a single school. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when I started to truly dive into the consulting space. And so that's where I am now. I'll be, you know, consulting for the school that I founded, which I'm really excited about to ensure that the school is coming to fruition in a way that reflects the original vision and mission of it. And I'm excited to be able to every day continue to work with teachers and educators, school leaders in some capacity to, you know, customize strategies that work for them because every school is so different. This is an incredible journey. Let's just back up a minute. <laughs> I, first of all, I'm kind of sweating over it. I no, it's exactly. fantastic. I love so it so much. much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could have used you so badly. So my weakness as a teacher was data collection in a way that felt uh, authentic to me, but met the expectations of the principal. And I felt like it was so disjointed in terms of I would need to keep this lesson moving, but you're forcing me to stop and fill out this form. And I get the point of it, but we're not vibing. Like, I got to make this work for me. And it took way too long for me to be able to come up with a process that worked and then teach kids to do it. And then us analyze together as a team. And so when you're saying that, I'm like, oh, you could have been my mentor, my guru. I needed you so badly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I, I, those were, that was what you're describing is exactly how I felt in the classroom. And that is when I had decided that I needed to change it up in a way that allowed me to vibe and allowed me to still fulfill the, you know, what the expectations of my administrators. And that's where the framework was developed. And, you know, along the way, I've, I've tweaked it, but it truly is a way where teachers can collect, sort, and utilize data very quickly. And I do think that part of it is because we're trained as educators to think of assessment in terms of these big pieces, right? The summative, the mm -hmm. end of unit exams, the, uh, the tests, the unit tests, the projects, the um, benchmarks, and all of that is important. But what we need to do is look at the nitty gritty, what's going on in the classroom that will allow me to be as responsive to my students' needs and differentiate simultaneously. Yeah, and um, as quick as possible, like, right? Like some of our data processes, they, they take so long. And then it's like all this time's wasted where you could have, like you said, been responsive, differentiated, helped the kids. And now here it is three weeks later and you're just getting your results and you're just sitting down as colleagues. And I'm like, this does not make sense. Absolutely. And I think a part of it also is that it's just not about, data collection for the sake of checking the boxes for right. what your administrators want, right? 
when you're able to get into the groove of, and I've actually, I've reframed it to be called check for understandings because I feel that this term assessment, formative assessment just sounds so cringy in a way. Yeah, it's just uh-huh. this, like negative connotation <laughs> around it, right? So when we learn to quickly check for that understanding that con- that allows us to concretely, if that's a word, um, understand what our students know and don't know, we are able to, within that 45, 50 minute period, give our students individually exactly what they need because we've got some sort of game plan for that. Um, We don't need to carry around the sticky notes on the clipboards and swear that we're going to grade the tests and then days (laughs) go by, right? And they're still (laughs) sitting there. You're you're like, I got to give this feedback to my students. I'm going to carve out the time in my lesson to do that. You can do that all within a lesson, Mm -hmm. Um, but it takes some risk-taking. And I think it takes also teachers being able to be open to change um, and change in their practice, which can be scary. It is. And I remember asking my, they called them facilitators at the time. And I remember telling her this problem that I was having. And she's like, let's sit down and try and make this work and figure it out. And that was helpful. But then as I started implementing, she would watch me and give me feedback and then we'd tweak it some more. And so it's helpful to have someone like you who isn't just teaching, here's the framework, but it's like, let me help you implement it and make it make sense for you, make it work for you and make you actually be able to use it. So it's effective, right? Absolutely. Teachers want to know how, how Mm -hmm. do I do this? Just tell me how to do it. They understand why it's important, right? How many professional developments have we gone to where there's the presentation of slides or, you know, someone's telling you, you know, what, why it's important or what to do. Okay. But, but how do I do it? Give Mm -hmm. me the steps. Tell me from start to end, what's the roadmap to get me where I need to go. Um, and I think that that's such a big piece of this entire, you know, why I'm so passionate about assessment and check for understanding, because it's not just about that. You're allowed, you are able to differentiate and meet student needs and individualize your instruction without adding a layer to the work that you already have in front of you. Mm -hmm. And my like biggest motivation is that I want to share that secret sauce with everybody, as many teachers as possible. Yeah. Uh, Because I think that it will allow them to, or will help them keep their joy in teaching and empower their practice. Yeah, you are taking away that pain point of like, I got to do this thing. I haven't figured out how this looks for me yet, but I have to do this thing. So I'm not doing this thing and then I'm not better helping my kids. So it's twofold of you're eliminating that pain point, but you're also allowing them to be more effective in the moment, make those adjustments quickly and help kids get back on track, which, you know, student performance is a big thing. So you're impacting teacher proficiency and student achievement all in one. And and teachers are like, yes. I need this. And I wanted to ask you, I know you were saying you kind of had an idea of what the protocol would look like, but how did you sit down and and put it all to paper? Did you need to go for long walks? Did you have to talk to colleagues? Like, how are you able to come up with this, this way of collecting data and analyzing it? Sure. So I really had to do some serious self-reflection in terms of what I was seeing in my students, what I was seeing in my classroom and what I wanted to see. And then I needed to think about how can I bridge that gap? And 
I knew that data collection was going to be the big initiative in our school. So I very much started with bite-sized manageable pieces. So the first thing I did was, okay, I'm going to put a question on a board and I'm going to set a timer for two minutes and I'm just going to have my students answer this question and then I'm going to collect it. That's all I'm going to do. That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to start with that, right? And then as I became more comfortable with that sort of system of putting the question on the board, I, I could play around with, okay, is my question too packed? Do I need to sort of simplify what I'm asking my students to do? I was able to reflect upon how that was going and then added pieces to it along the way. My lesson plans actually became less filled with fluff and more open to, hey, I actually can't complete this part of my plan because I don't know the direction that this lesson is going to go into because mm -hmm. I don't have the student information in front of me quite right. yet, mm -hmm. right? Um, and over time, it kind of just rolled into this constant, let me play around with this small part in my teaching in this lesson today, and then let me reflect on it. And when I started to feel comfortable in building upon the collection process, then I got to play around with, okay, hey, you know what? It's actually easier if my students do answer this question in a turn and talk. And I'm, I've got a system that I'm going to try out for tracking that information based on what I hear my students share. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, and I felt that I could take those risks and, at risk and get creative with how I was collecting that information and then what I was doing with it. Um, and it took me a good two or three years to really feel that I was in a place to be able to share this with teachers around me. And, yeah. Did you have to get that. your blessing from the principal to be like, can I share this? Can everyone do this? Yeah. I, I, I think because, so my principal and shout out to Devin Eisenberg and Lee Marie Loriano and Christina McNamee, who really fostered a school culture where risk-taking was, was, was seen as a good thing. Um, I think when they were popping into my classrooms and saw what I was doing, they felt like, hey, this is a good thing, right? Like what we're seeing is in this it's classroom working. is impactful. It's yeah. working. Let's bring this to other teachers. But okay, cool. I think that that, like teachers, teachers niche in best practices in their classrooms. All teachers have a thing that they are just the best, the best at. It yeah. can be so small. I had a teacher who cracked the code for the most productive, least time-consuming routine for getting students their computers. I had another teacher who was the best at building student portfolios and actually using them throughout the year. Teachers do things in ways that work for them mm -hmm. um, and, and their students and are reflective of the classroom and culture that they built. And I do believe that those best practices should be identified and leveraged to infiltrate into the greater school community. Yeah, um, so I- you know, I, I urge educators to use their voice to, yes, be transparent with your leaders and share your challenges and struggles, but to also advocate for the strategies and practices that they are deeply committed to or feel strongly or are, quite honestly, really good at. Mm -hmm. And I think that educators should lean into that practice or that routine and advocate to share those practices with a school community. So, you know, hosting a lunch and learn, asking to run a PLC meeting asking to give a school-wide workshop during a PD day. And I'm sure that there might be those who are thinking, oh, my principal would never go for that. 
Okay, then start small. Invite teachers in to watch you. Write an email to your team, letting them know that you are so excited about this strategy that is really making a difference for you and your students. Um, sit down with your instructional coach or teacher leader and come up with a game plan for how to get this practice out to others. Uh, create buzz. I think that it will, you know, those things empower educators and, and will make you feel more confident in what you are doing. Hey, y'all, popping in here real quick to remind you, if you are loving the podcast, hop on over to iTunes to leave a star rating and type in a few words for the review. This helps other educators find the show so they, too, can be empowered. Lots of love and thanks. Now back to the show. Absolutely. As you're mentioning, everyone has an X factor. Uh, and you might not even think as you're listening to this, I'm not good at anything. Trust me. <laughs> you know, like Jana's saying, there are tiny things that you do really well that make a huge difference. And if you're able, everyone is able to contribute one idea to the pot. Think about how much better every classroom gets and how the school gets as a whole. So it makes sense now why you think bigger than a classroom and you think bigger than a school and then wanting to be the founder of the new school. So how did you allow yourself to dream big enough without having the scared mentality of like, I could never do that? Honestly, it goes back to just what I felt in that classroom with my students and the fact that this small thing could have such a greater impact. And it all starts with that little seedling and sort of spirals into something bigger for me. And so when you talk about everybody having the X factor, I hope that everybody who listens to this is thinking about their own practice and thinking about what is your X factor and how does that seedling perhaps, how may it impact a greater community? Because we all just as teachers, it's in our blood to want to empower each other in our practice, to, you know, be the best that we can be for our students. And we have the recipe for that in one way or another. It's just a matter of finding a way to share that with the greater education space. And that's really what gave me the confidence to continue to move into different positions within this industry to eventually land where I am today, where I'm in multiple schools and districts and able to share the aha moment with teachers. There's nothing better than sharing something and having a teacher go, oh my gosh, what? <laughs> I didn't know this was a thing, right? Um, it just brings, brings me joy. And you can have joy in this space in so many different ways, which is why I think they say that once a teacher, always a teacher. <laughs> yep. What would you say is the best lesson you've learned? I mean, it could be a specific role you had, but as you reflect back, was there a moment in time where you're like, wow, that, that catapulted me in, in a way I never expected? What would that lesson be? The best lesson would be never underestimate the power of building relationships. Mm-hmm. I think it's at the crux of success. An educator's ability to build relationships is what makes an educator great. And Teacher, I want to push you a second because yeah. you know how many times we've been in PD and they're like, build relationships with kids. 
And everyone's like, yeah, obviously. But like, what does that mean? So can you give us an example of something that really worked well, either for you or for the teachers you were supporting to build relationships? I know it can be kind of hard or awkward or everyone's like, I get the idea, but what does it look like? Right. I kind of realized in building relationships with my students that it was so much more than carving out isolated time for like get to know you activities. It was about ensuring that in my daily practice, I was connecting to them in a way where they saw themselves in the resources, materials, language, collaboration that was going on in my room. And that required me to ask questions about their home life. What do they do on the weekend? Who do they live with? I worked in a high needs, historically marginalized population in the South Bronx of New York City for 10 years. And that really taught me about the importance of connecting with students on a deeper level. So I did make it part of my mission as a teacher to ensure that if I was using an article or if I was using a specific resource, that I was connecting it to their background information, their, you know, country of origin. I was mindful of, you know, uh, students who had immigrant parents and how we could tie that into historical concepts that I was teaching them. It's so much more than just about get to know you, right, Mm -hmm. which is important. But truly, I think we need to ensure that we are embedding responsive teaching in terms of knowing about our students and finding ways to bring their lives into the content that we are teaching. It will allow them to feel safe. It will allow them to be motivated and engaged in the learning. Students want to feel loved, heard, and seen, and they'll be far more likely to take risks and engage with their peers if they know that they're in a classroom that respects and understands their background. Yes. Yes. You and I are like so aligned on so many things. I'm nodding my head and I'm realizing you can't see me or hear me. So, but yes. (laughs) Um, I was going to ask you what you thought made an educator great. You've been around so many and you're just mentioning relationships first, like we are teaching humans. Let's let's get there before we get to the academics. But I'm also listening to your story unfold and you are a problem solver. You are someone who figures it out. You are someone who seeks a solution. And even though you don't have all the information to get there, you just start rolling up your sleeves and working the plan until, until you get there. So I'm noticing those two things throughout your story here. Is there anything else that you'd like to add as you You've seen educators grow like that characteristic right there makes all the difference. Sure. I think that one thing I'd have to add is what makes educators who we are is our willingness to take risks and Mm -hmm. be flexible. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's not a one size fits all approach. And I think that to keep the joy in what we do and to continue us to move forward as exhausted, stressed, frustrated as we are, because (laughs) Mm -hmm. that is just the way that it works, we have to find pockets of time where we're experimenting and getting creative in our classrooms in one way or another, which is why, you know, part of my mission, I, I 
truly feel this and deep in my soul that teacher empowerment, I think, plays such a role in, in retention because we want autonomy, but in the right ways, right? And so that autonomy can be created by figuring out what is really working in the classroom and how can I share this with my team so that everyone benefits and how can I tweak this and modify it and play around with it in a way where I come to my class every day ready to work because I'm excited about what I'm doing. And when we get a chance to put our own spin on things, then we build excitement around it because it becomes more of ours. Yeah. And it's contagious. Yeah. We want the kids, we want our colleagues to all feel that. Um, And I know you're giving such great advice. Is there something you'd say to your younger self or to the last version of you, your most recent season version of you of like, here's something I wish you would have known. Oh my gosh. That's a good, that's a good one. Something I wish I would have known that. Oh, okay. That honestly, what I whatever I did was not going to be the end all be all for students that they would make it out alive and that (laughs) it would be okay. If something didn't go directly as planned, Yes, you know, I think we're such an interesting species us teachers, because as much as we are, you know, have these teachable moments in front of us and, you know, we, we, we know that, what we have planned may not go the way that we have it planned. We still love a good plan. You still <laughs> love knowing what it is that we are doing in the classroom, when we are doing it, how many minutes we're supposed to spend on it, the flow, how are we on, you know, how am I teaching this time? We love a plan. But at the end of the day, there were times where I just had to say, you know what, this isn't working and that is okay. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to fix it for next time. And we're just going to, we're just going to make it, make it be what it be for right now. Yeah. No (laughs) shame, lots of grace. And it's okay to change it up because I feel like I'm married to a plan. So I just had to finish the plan because I've dedicated myself to this plan. It's like, no, abort ship, like not working. Like, let's not wait. (laughs) Not working. And it's okay. It is totally okay. Who do you Uh, go to for advice? Because you've been talking a lot about how you're helping people. Um, You've just been giving advice now. I mean, who do you go to to fill yourself up, to continue pushing? I know you're a problem solver, so you might just have to figure it out on your own. But is there (laughs) someone that you consider your mentor? Sure. So I probably have three mentors. The first would be my coach that I have for myself, Frank Morales. I think it's so important that even as a consultant in the field that I am constantly reflecting and shifting my own practice. I believe in practice what you preach. Um, and so Frank really creates the space for me to self-reflect and to help me do what I do more effectively. Um, I also have a small circle of consultant friends and we are constantly bouncing ideas off of each other, thinking about how we can best support teachers in their schools. Um, I call up my former teacher colleague who has shifted to also shifted to the consultant world. And we spend a very long time discussing the issues that teachers are facing and how we best meet their needs. And then my former principals, who I mentioned earlier, they have always exemplified what being a lead learner looks like. Mm -hmm. And they're constantly fostering teacher leadership in their schools. Um, And I'm always asking them for guidance. You've got a great PLN and it's interesting 
Like don't burn bridges, right? Because these people could be monumental in your path forward, even though you're not working closely together and their experience and knowledge could potentially help you. So I love that you've really hung on to your most important people. Yes, it's important. I I think that along the journey, no no matter the steps that you take within this education space, that building the relationships with the people around you will end up impacting you in one way or another along Mm -hmm. your trajectory. Um, And, you know, these are people who have been in my life for nearly 20 years and I wouldn't be where I am today without them. And we've learned from each other and we've, you know, had our fair share of disagreements, but ultimately without their guidance and, and support, I don't know where I, that I necessarily would have remained where I am today. That's so very true. As you're, you know, working with people in your PLN, how else are you learning and growing? You you mentioned trying to figure out what's current pain points for teachers and making sure you're up to date on what's happening in classrooms. But are there other things you're doing to make sure you're just up to date on what's happening in the field and keeping current? Sure. So I inquire as much as possible. I like to think of myself as a sponge. I want to know about districts and schools and their challenges, the things that are keeping them up at night. I want to know about their struggles, their goals. So I kind of call teachers my informants on the ground because they're a major (laughs) part of how I stay current. And then I do my own specific research on what's going on uh, in those particular areas of challenge. I subscribe to different education platforms and research journals. I am finishing up my dissertation with a focus on reading language and literacy. So that research has taught me about how to quickly scan articles that matter because I think that it's very easy to get caught up in all of the information that is out there. That's true. And congratulations, by the way. Thank you. It has been a long time and I'm very excited to be done. Good. You deserve it. Um, Okay. So we've got articles. Are there podcasts? Are there conferences? Um, Is there a networking group you attend? Anything else you wanted to add? I know folks listening are always looking for new ways to learn and grow. Sure. So EduWeek is a really big platform that shares articles. I love the ability to be able to quickly open up an email and see what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, So EduWeek is a big, uh, a big one. Um, Quite honestly, your podcast, I think, speaks volumes to what's really going on in classrooms. And it's very easy for teachers to relate to the work and the struggles and the challenges that teachers are facing. There's a ASCD. They offer a number of um, conferences available to people of all different roles, administrators, teachers, district leaders, teacher leaders, instructional coaches. And then there is, I'm constantly looking for workshops in my own state. I, you know, the um, conventions and whatnot, Mm -hmm. I feel that those are big spaces for teachers to be able to meet a ton of people, connect on various levels and still learn simultaneously. I was actually just accepted to the teachers convention in New Jersey that I'm really excited about to be able to connect with New Jersey teachers all over the state who, you know, all want the same thing for their schools, their classrooms, and their students. 
That's so amazing. Great recommendations. I'm not shocked that you're always looking for additional ways to stay close to what's happening because that's really the only way that you can have impactful change is to have the ear to the street. So um, I do want to be respectful of your time. Before I let you go, I wanted to ask one more question, and it seems to be something that keeps educators either in the game or makes them run really fast, and that is how do you reignite your passion and, and your potential as an educator? Honestly, it comes down to creating resources and materials that I know will help those on the ground doing Mm -hmm. the work Mm -hmm. and being able to share those things with as many educators in the space as possible. When I see that something that a teacher is going through a particular challenge, I want to be able to create a resource that will ease that challenge. Um, And I think for teachers who are in classrooms, it kind of goes back to being resourceful and looking at the things that perhaps are challenging to you and figuring out how can I create or shift or modify a system to make it my own that will ease what I'm doing and make what I'm doing less challenging. And that has never changed for me. It's just been modified based on how my role has changed within education. Yeah. I love so much about your story is never about yourself. It's always about how can I do this better so I can be stronger for my kids so they can be, you know, more successful. How can I help my colleagues implement systems and routines so that they too can feel successful? How can I give back to the school building, to the community um, so that they can be successful? And it sounds like your advice here about the way you stay reinvigorated and keep your passion alive is you give back. It's always about how can you help someone else? And when you are putting all your time and attention into making the world a better place in this specific educational realm, it seems to light a fire under you to keep going and, and to see the fruit of your labor. So I just commend you on your heart and obviously your passion. I'm just so thankful that you were able to share your story today. Gretchen, has anyone ever cried on your podcast? Or am I going to be the first? Yeah, you're my first one. <laughs> Teachers have it really hard and we just, it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be like that. Um, And that's why the work that we do um, through a podcast or through whatever, you know, the the resources that we share, the the workshops that we want to provide, the webinars, it's all to just give back to the, to teachers, their classrooms, and ultimately their students and their families. So, yeah. And to bring it back full circle, uh, X factor matters, right? You don't have to have founded a school and, you know, done all the things you've done in order to give back. You can give back day one that you enter a classroom. There's some idea you have, there's some perspective you can give. There's a question you can ask. Everyone is able to help each other and pay it forward. So uh, I'm just thankful uh, for your example and your contributions. Can you tell us how to connect with you, your website, social media, give us all the things, because I know everyone's going to want to find you and follow you. Sure. So you can connect with me multiple ways. My website, johnnaleeconsulting.com. You can find me on Instagram at misslee underscore edconsulting. I'm on Twitter. I'm on YouTube, all of that stuff. Um, 
I'll be, you can, if you head to my Instagram, that information is there. My website also has that information. Twitter is at Miss Lee underscore Ed. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I've got some snackucation snack bites, I call them, little videos like on YouTube, um, bite-sized pieces of knowledge for y'all. So um, multiple ways to get in touch with me. I urge everyone, please, you know, follow share, reach out, let me know, you know, what, what it is, what's going on in your classroom. So I want to know. And That's cool. so amazing. Yes. And I'll put all that in show notes so everyone can find oh. you. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing everything that you've done and for being a part of the legacy here on the Empowering Educators podcast. It's been a joy to get to know you. Oh, you're amazing. The work you're doing is amazing. And it was my pleasure, really. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. We'll talk later. Okay, thanks. Well, what did y'all think about that amazing conversation? She had so much to contribute. She clearly loves education and is contributing in so many valuable ways to ensure students and teachers are both successful. I absolutely love her. I hope you do too. Please take her up on any chance you can to collaborate, ask questions, and just watch her journey unfold through all her posts on social media. So don't be shy. Feel free to go to alwayslesson.com, click on podcast. You'll find this episode and any of the links mentioned will be right there. All right, Elite Educators, that's a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with Jonna Lee. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. <laughs>